So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Come and See Inspirations, uh, being produced here in our Come and See studio here in Ada. And this, the 12th of May, it's the fourth Sunday of the wonderful season of Easter. Our programme this morning is broadcast, again, as usual, on Sacred Space at, at West Limit 102 Local Radio at 10am and 11pm. And it also is available for playback and download on comeandseeinspirations.buzzsprout.com. If you open up the buzzsprout.com website and you search for Come and See Inspirations, you'll find us there. And also you'll find us on our blog, which is www.sacredspace102.blogspot.com. So our podcasting team this morning includes Lorraine Buckley. Good morning to you, Lorraine. How are you? Good morning, John. Good morning, listeners. I'm very well, John. You sound good anyway. Thank you very much, Neil, for joining us. And also my dear lady wife, Anne. Good morning to you, Anne. How are you? Morning, John. Morning, listeners. And also, we also want to extend, again, a, a big welcome to those who continue to, to join us, whether that be on our blog, uh, whether it be on Come and See Inspirations at Buzzbird.com, or whether you're listening to, again, to Sacred Space on West Limit 102 FM. Thank you indeed for joining us and for sharing uh, your, your prayers with us, your comments to us. We, we do have a few texts in, and thank you very much indeed for the text. Uh, very hopeful text um, and also again we'd also like to thank those people who continue to pray for us that's the most important thing that we wish for and thank people for on the program this morning this being the Sunday for prayer for vocations we have on part two of the program we invited to join us Father Richard Keane who's the vocations director for the Limic Diocese Father Richard will be joining us in part two and in part three again we'll as usual <coughs> share the Sunday Gospel if you want to contact us at all during the week, uh, the text number is 087-6088-667. That's 087-6088-667. Or you can email us, and that's on sacredspace102 at gmail.com. So now at this part of the programme, we'll have Lorraine pleased to share some saints for the week. Thanks, Lorraine. Thank you very much, John. Before we go to the Saints, John, of course, as our listeners often know, I'm sure, we pre-record our programme here um, on a Tuesday evening and we received news on this Tuesday that Jean Vanier of the L'Arche community has gone to his eternal reward. May he rest in peace. Amen. Uh, the L'Arche community released his words shortly before his death. I think these words were recorded a couple of days before he died. This is the words of Jean Vanier, and this is why every time a Christian dies, every time a person dies, of course, on a human level, there is sadness, but in heaven there is great rejoicing. Mm. This is what Jean Vanier said. He said, I am deeply peaceful and trustful. I'm not sure what the future will be, but God is good, and whatever happens, it will be the best. I am happy and give thanks for everything. My deepest love to each one of you. May we all feel the same as we approach our eternal reward, John. So if you want to find out more about Jean Vanier's life, I suggest pop on the internet, look at L'Arche Community. He was an incredible man and I have no doubt in my mind but that he is indeed enjoying his eternal reward. It's just the the expression or the prayer or the quotation from the Gospel comes to me straight away when you mention that with John 10.10. I've come to give you life and give it to the full. That man lived life to the full. Why did he do it? Because he gave it all away. 
Exactly. Gave it away to everybody else. Absolutely. Now, turning to our saints and our feast during the week, on Monday we have the most beautiful feast. It is Our Lady of Fatima. It is one of my favourite feasts um, in the church's calendar. Of course, the 13th of May is the anniversary of the apparition of Our Lady to three shepherd children in the small village of Fatima in Portugal in 1917. She appeared six times to Lucia, who was nine, and her cousins Francesco, who was eight, and his sister Jacinta, who was six, between the 13th of May 1917 and the 13th of October in 1917. What is the central message of um, meaning of the message of Fatima? Nothing different from the, what the church has always taught us, actually. It is as Cardinal Ratzinger, who became Pope Benedict the Fifteenth, said. Um, he put it: the exhortation to prayer as the path of salvation for souls, and likewise the summons to penance and conversion. And any time I'm having a bad day, John, I think of those three little children, and what persecution they underwent, mm-hmm. what sacrifices they made willingly for Our Lady and for Our Lord, and the joy with which they did it. They were just incredible saints. The sacrifices they made on their own accord, I mean, willingly, you said. Oh, absolutely. Like little little um, Francesco used to make many, many sacrifices. And the same with Jacinta. And of course, we know Lucia lived into a grand old age, thanks be to God. But they suffered quite willingly for the salvation of souls because they wanted to help our Lord. They wanted everybody to reach the eternal beatitude, blessedness, happiness of heaven. Mm-hmm. So on Tuesday then, we have one of the apostles. We have St. Matthias. Matthias was one of the very first to follow our Lord. Uh, he was an eyewitness to all his divine actions up to the very day of ascension. He was one of the 72 disciples, but our Lord had not conferred upon him the dignity of an apostle, and yet he was to have that glory because after um, the apostasy of Judas, after Judas committed suicide, they wanted to have 12 apostles, as the Lord had initially. So then they drew lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. Um, When the time came for the ambassadors of Christ to separate, he set out for the countries allotted to him. Tradition tells us that these were Cappadocia and the provinces bordering on the Caspian Sea. And he is the patron of those suffering from alcoholism. He's also the patron of tailors, the Diocese of Gary in Indiana and the Diocese of Great Falls Billings in Montana, of all things. On the third, sorry, on Wednesday, May 15th, we have St. Carthage Bishop. St. Carthage was a Kerry man who set up a monastery first in Kerry and then in Rahan in County Offaly and finally at Lismore in County Waterford. In later centuries, Lismore became the seat of a diocese. And in 1936, the diocese was joined with Waterford. Carthage is still its patron saint. So we send our fondest regards to the people of um, Waterford and Lismore, especially Bishop Fonsi down there, who is a good friend of the programme, thank God. Then on Thursday, we have another Irish saint, St. Brendan the Navigator. Of all Irish saints, Brendan was the greatest traveller. He was born near Trillian County Kerry, an event reputably marked by angels hovering in a bright light over the house. He was baptised by Bishop Eric, who ensured that a year later, Brendan was delivered into the care of St. Ita at Caledi. At the age of six, Brendan returned to Eric, who undertook his education for several years before indulging the boy's desire to travel. And St. Brendan studied under other holy men. And of course, we know a little bit about his travels 
from the um, Navigatio Sancti Brindani, an account written by an Irish monk in the 9th or 10th century. On Friday, I have again one of my favourite saints, St. Pascal Balan. I have a fondness for the Franciscans, as many of you Mm -hmm. might have known. He was a lay brother and a mystic. He was born to a peasant family at Torre Hermosa in Aragon. On Whit Sunday, he was christened Pascua in order of the feast. According to accounts of his early life, Pascal laboured as a shepherd for his father, performed miracles and was distinguished for his austerity. He also taught himself to read. Receiving a vision he was, uh, which told him to enter a nearby Franciscan community, he became a Franciscan lay brother and spent most of his life as a humble doorkeeper. He practised rigid uh, asceticism, as was pretty much common at the time, and mm-hmm. displayed a deep love for the Blessed Sacrament, so much so that while on mission to France, he defended the doctrine of the real presence against a Calvinist preacher. So very often in iconography, you will see St. Pascal Balon with the Blessed Sacrament. Oh, okay. On Saturday, May 18th, we have Pope John I. He was also a martyr. John was a native of Tuscany in Italy and was elected Pope while he was still an archdeacon upon the death of Pope Hermisdas in 523. Okay, thanks again for that, Lorraine. Uh, Just one little notice now before we have our spiritual communion prayer. Um, Again, I just want to mention about Radio Maria Ireland. It's a Catholic radio station broadcasting 24-7 various programs. Suited to the youth and not so young listeners. Um, it includes daily mass at 10 a.m. Daily rosary is prayed at 12.30 and 5.30 in the evening. The chat shows, the vocation stories, there's catechesis, there's loads of different music. It's very easy actually to, to, to tune in uh, on, your, on your TV set uh, where you get RT1 and Serve U210. Just back from RT1, uh, you, you can get... Um, Serve you two one zero, which is actually Radio Maria station. You can you, you can listen into the radio there, or online www.radiomaria.ie, or you can phone zero one four three seven three two seven seven. That's zero one four three seven three two seven seven. And if you want to, you can text in a comment or a request to zero eight nine four six seven two thousand. So why not become inspired and tune into Radio Maria and some good listening? I, I find it very good myself including weekends and early in the morning and late at night. So at this part of the programme, we'll invite Anne to pray a spiritual communion prayer for before we go for our break. Thanks, Anne. Okay. My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul since I now cannot receive you sacramentally. Come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Amen. Thanks for that, Noanne. So now we go for our first bit of music. And uh, when I said I'd play this bit of music this morning, my wife was delighted. It's one of her favourites. It's Bring Flowers of the Rarest, and it's, it's sung by Sidney McEwan. So let's listen to this one this morning. Our full hearts are swelling 
our glad voices telling the praise of the loveliest flower of the bear. O Mary, we crown thee with blossoms today, Queen of the angels and Queen of the bear. O Mary, we crown thee with blossoms Welcome back again to the second part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley. Joined on the line this morning, uh, because this being the World Day of Prayer for Vocations, I've got the parish priest of Cratlow Parish, who happens to be the the director of uh, vocations here in the Limerick Diocese, Father Richard Keane. Good morning to Father Richard. How are you? Uh, good morning, John. I'm keeping very well. Uh, thank you. Um, I hope you're keeping well, well yourself out there in West Limerick. We are. It's been some time since you've been on West Limerick 102. I think a few years ago you came on and and uh, gave us your own vocation story, very inspiring vocation story, and thank you indeed for that. But now well, four years ago, yeah. That's mm. right. Now you, you're now in a different role now. Uh, today being uh, voc- World Day of Prayer for Vocations, um, when us to pray for vocation to the priesthood and religious life, maybe you might start just start off by letting our listeners know why is it so important that the church allocates a special day for this purpose, Father Richard? Um, I think vocations um, Sunday has got um, it's got two very important functions. I think first of all it is um, an invitation to the faithful, uh, to people of God, to pray and thanksgiving for all those who generously have answered the call to serve in ministry in the church. So it's an opportunity for the people to maybe thank God for the priests and religious they have already. That's one function. And secondly, um, it is a request to ask the Lord of the harvest, send more laborers into his harvest. And Jesus himself actually mandated in the gospel, he, he told the, the people, there's something you need to pray for. So, so in one way, we're thanking God for the priests and the religious we have. 
And then secondly, we're kind of following the directions of Jesus, who asked us to continuously pray that God the Father would send us more, more laborers. And um, so, I mean, as priests on a day like today, <clears throat> we need um, the people of God uh, to pray to support us in our ministry and in our vocation. And also, we do need the people of God uh, to pray that the Lord will call more priests and religious um, to the religious life. And we pray that the people who are being called will follow the example of Mary, the mother of God, who was able to say yes to the particular vocation she had uh, with trust and confidence in God. And we pray that our families, Christian families, um, will be generous enough maybe to provide um, um, church helpers and the work of tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a couple of very important things wrapped up in today. Yeah, 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 because we all do sort of have, have a vocation, but today, of course, and it's very important to remember that, that we all have vocations to, to, to do the work that the Lord has allocated us to do. But specifically today, with priests and religious, some people might ask, why do we need priests and religious, Father? Well, in terms of priests, uh, one of the uh, we're based to build, we're, we're called to build up God's kingdom on this earth, mm-hmm. to, to, to build up Christian communities full of faith, hope, and love. And of course, everybody has a specific role and task within that. And lay people can do so many um, aspects of this building up of Christian community. They can get involved in so many ways and pastoral councils and you know finance committees and literature committees and everything mm-hmm. and bereavement groups. But by every Christian community needs the Eucharist at the center of the community, which is the living presence of Jesus, the risen Lord, at the heart of the community. And the only person who has the capacity to actually uh, consecrate um, the bread and wine to make Jesus fully present at the heart of the Christian community is the priest. So so obviously, I think you cannot have a Catholic Christian community without the Eucharist at the center of it. And that's that's the task, that's the grace, that's the vocation that the priest has to make Jesus fully present at the heart of every community. And of course, then, another aspect of a Christian faith is the forgiveness, the mercy, the compassion of, of God. And the priest has a very special um, faculty there to absolve people's sins and also administer the sacrament of the sick to bring peace and healing and strength to the sick and dying. So it, it's absolutely essential that the Eucharist is at the center of every community and, and so only the priest can make Jesus fully present in that way. And religious, I think, um, um, I also work, one of my other jobs is um, I'm special vicar for um, the, the the region for, for Munster. So I work in the, the Cork Marriage Tribunal on Mondays and Tuesdays, we'll be investigating uh, people's marriages to see can we say grant a decree of nullity. But on the Mondays and Tuesdays, I walk in Cork. I celebrate Mass with the poor cares on um, on those mornings at seven thirty in the morning. And it's a community of seven nuns uh, present uh, in uh, in Cork, and there's such happiness and peace about them. And I think it's so uplifting for people to experience. Uh, these religious women have completely dedicated their lives to God. And these, these women live a life of, you know, uh, prayer and 
um, reflection on scripture. And but at the same time, so they meet people. So many people come to the convent each day and ask the nuns to pray for them. And the fact that they have these dedicated women who've, who've consecrated their whole lives um, to, to prayer um, brings great consolation and peace to people who just feel they need prayers at a special time. So I think um, the, the world at large, I think, it needs religious people who have dedicated themselves, you know, in um, poverty and um, and chastity and obedience to actually pray for the world in a special way. I think the real symbols of hope and real symbols of God's presence in our community. And I think that's what the world needs, a real symbol of God's presence amongst us and the religious provide that in a unique and special way. And Father, maybe for, for those people again who might want to ask the question, um, living the life of a priest, can you give some sort of an outline as to... Overall, it's overall it's 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 it's, it's a very um, um, it, it brings so much peace, joy, and blessing. I, of course, it can be challenging, but overall, it's such um, a tremendously gratifying uh, life because it's so meaningful. I know I, I'll talk about the challenges in in a moment. Mm. But overall, I think it's the blessings that go with it. You know, you're involved with people at the most important moments of their lives. You know, you're there baptizing a baby. Um, you're there with young people, helping to prepare them for the sacraments of a, a initiation, like First Holy Communion and Confirmation. It's so gratifying to think you can bring tremendous peace to people, you know, through the sacraments of uh, confession and the sacraments of the sick. And you're, you're there maybe for people's weddings. And also, you're there to bring such solace comfort and hope that people are so devastated um, at, at the loss of a loved one at funerals. So it's such a meaningful life. Of course, the challenges um, with Ireland getting more secular and everything. But overall, it's such, a, it's such a meaningful life as well. And if someone is called to it, every single day, you'll feel you've done something profound and meaningful. Yeah, and, and, and as you say, obviously it's a secular life, you know, maybe with declining um, numbers of people going to mass, you know, becoming more secular. We could see even last year, you know, I think for a lot of people in the church, when the Eighth Amendment was defeated and there was a big celebration about that in Dublin Castle, that, that was a very dark day for us Christians who kind of, you know, we witnessed the gospel of life and we believed that from the very moment of conception that you know, we're, we're children of God, you know, with, with living souls who've got to be treated with respect uh, and possess full rights. So that was a way, that was like a dark and, 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 and difficult time for us. But, but at the same time, I think the light of Jesus overcomes darkness. I think last Sunday's gospel to me was a very good one. You had the disciples walking all night long on their own, catching absolutely nothing, like they kept at it. So it was like a whole night wasted. And then in the morning, they encountered Jesus, the risen Lord, who gives them direction. And once more, to put the net into the sea and catch you know, a miraculous, huge amount of fish. So he so said, that's what it's like. It's like, we should never despair, never give up. Uh, Jesus has, has won the victory 
of a sin and death. So even last year when people in my parish were very despondent about the Eighth Amendment being defeated, you know, like and being being repealed, if you like, you know, but I said this now walk starts now, don't give up hope. Let's keep praying that people, you know, in crisis pregnancies will be inspired to recognize the presence of, of God in the child they're carrying and choose life. So so I think that's ultimately for all the difficulties of priesthood, there's this idea that there is light at the end of the tunnel. There is hope. We should never give up. And, and then that's the central message of Easter, and that's the central message you, you carry as a priest. No matter how many challenging and bad days or bad media coverage you get, ultimately you know that, that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Jesus has risen from the dead, and by by living your priestly life, you, you, you're definitely doing your best to build up his kingdom on the sandy earth. Well, now, Father, can I just ask someone else here? Um, what's the position at the moment regarding the need for priests here in Limerick? And, and do we have any seminarians actually studying for the priesthood here? Uh, we, have, we have two students uh, for the diocese, two wonderful uh, uh, fellows, uh, two excellent guys, and please God will go on and be our damn priest for the diocese. And they're studying in the Irish College in Rome at the moment. Um, obviously, you know, we do need more vocations. The reality is um, we have some fantastic priests and devices, but they're all coming very close to retirement age, you know. As I said already, um, like, please God, you'll have excellent lay people involved in, in the leadership of parish communities, but you need the Eucharist at the centre of, of the Christian community. You need the sacraments of reconciliation and the sacrament of the sick in the heart of every Christian community. And for that, you need priests. So obviously... We do need we do need priests, and um, I we need to pray for vocations. And um, it's interesting to look throughout the world and some different initiatives that people have uh, over in America. We seem to have in um, some parts of America, they seem to be attracting a lot of um, students to their to seminaries. And some of the students who've been attracted to study for the priesthood have said that is true. Maybe spending time in adoration um, in, in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament. Um, that are spending time in rosary, that they felt God calling them to priesthood to rosary. So, yeah, we do need um, humble, committed um, and priests who are prepared to, to, to really give themselves in the service of the people, so to share the joy of people on the happy occasions like weddings, but at the same time to, to share the pain of people when they're suffering with the sickness and death of a loved one. And as a priest, you've got to be completely, totally prepared to get up at two o'clock in the morning if you're, if you're, if you're available to actually um, anoint um, some woman or some man who's dying, you know, if the family requests you, because it's so important, you know, it gives people such peace and consolation. So you've got to be completely prepared, prepared to serve. So you can't be prideful. I think... Um, a prideful priest would actually be an enemy of the, the, the call to build up God's kingdom. But we certainly need humble, dedicated, selfless priests. It's in giving that you receive. Now, I mean, even over Easter now, you'd be thinking when people come, but thank God in Cratlow, we with excellent uh, attendances, you know, at, uh, at the Tridium, you know, and even we had, we had a dawn mass like at six o'clock in the morning, Easter Sunday, above in the grotto and there was a fine crowd there. And then I remember even 
leading up to the 11.30 because we had the vigil mass the night before, the dawn mass, with another mass in the little church in the parish. I was thinking, will, any, will anybody come to the 11.30 mass? But it turned out to be a fine crowd there, you know, and afterwards um, there was teas and coffees available for people and the sun was shining. It turned out to be a real experience of, of community and hope and togetherness and fellowship and strength with Jesus at the heart of it, you know. So that's it. So, so as I said, like, it can't be difficult. There can't be problems. We can't get negative about where Ireland is going. But you have these beautiful Easter moments, you know, and they make absolutely everything worthwhile. But you have to be prepared, you know, to, to serve the people to have those moments. And Father, um, in, as you said early on, I mean, in today's Ireland, it's not easy to publicly live up to our Christian lives, you know. As Vocations mm. Director for our Diocese here in Limerick, how do you encourage people to consider a vocation to priesthood and religious life? <clears throat> it's about prayer, ultimately. You have to spend time in prayer. And uh, obviously, ultimately before, it was in families where people had, like, like the family domestic church, where people had the family rosary. And it was in that that there was a sense of prayer. And of course, back those days, there was a cultural pressure to kind of come to Mass. But now there's like a cultural pressure maybe to um, to do your own thing. You know, it's like the, it's all about b- b- before now, uh, trying to be obedient to God's will was the important thing. Whereas you could do what you like now. But, but having said all that, there are still a lot of people um, who feel called to, to, to pray <clears throat> and they feel called to spend time with the Scripture, feel, feel a sense <clears throat> of coming to Mass or, or going to a holy hour or something is giving them a peace and a meaning and a strength that the modern world is impossible, is and is unable to give them, you know. And even if you went to the Christmas Mass um, on Holy Week, there was, there was a fine congregation at the cathedral, you know, and a fine, uh, with, with so many um, different priests from various religious orders present at that Mass, it shows, okay, yes, it is. Ireland is in some ways hostile to the church and the Christian message, but there's still lots of people who do feel the need to nourish their souls. You know, so I think, so if anybody gets in contact with me, I have some other priests to help me in this whole process of discernment, but what I encourage them to do is spend time in prayer, if go, go to Eucharistic adoration, maybe get involved in something like Lexio Divina, spend time with, with um, the Word of God, and get involved in your local parish to some capacity, whether that's maybe being a reader or a Eucharistic minister, helping to distribute communion at Mass, or even better, if you can bring communion to the sick of the parish, or get involved in some good uh, charity in the parish, such as St. Vincent de Paul or, or, or the Legion of Mary or something, you know. Get involved in, your, in what your local parish is doing in some capacity, and then you start to see there's life in this. Okay, so maybe the days of 90% of the community going to Mass on a Sunday is gone. Maybe what's that? Maybe 15, 20% of people going to Mass on a regular basis, but there's great life in it. There's life, there's life in it, and there's life in it. So no, no matter what is, if, you, if, if a person feels some old call to the religious life, I just invite them to get involved in their local parish in some capacity, you know. And, and that's it, because if someone phoned us tomorrow and said, listen, I feel called by God to be a priest, it would be maybe two years 
we'd have to accompany them in the process of um, accompaniment for nearly two years before they start um, seminary uh, formation proper. You know, the first thing you do is you'd encourage them to get involved in their parish, whether prayer groups or um, charity um, apostolates are going on, charitable apostolates are going on in the parish. And then maybe um, we would liaise with our parish priest. And then there are various uh, things that happen. For example, on the 18th, the weekend of the 18th, the 19th of May, there's a come and see vocations retreat, a look into the life of priesthood. And that's above in St. Patrick's College, Maloose. And that's available to anyone who would like to, to feel they'd like to maybe, they feel the Holy Spirit is maybe, um, maybe, maybe calling them to priesthood within their hearts, you know. So, I mean, in the, if you look at that poster to the come and see for the vocations retreat, it asks the question, is your life fulfilled? Perhaps God is calling you to be a diocesan priest. Come and see. Because if God is calling you to something in your life, if you don't respond to it, you'll be like the rich man in Matthew's Gospel who went to his side. Now, Jesus called maybe that young man to be an apostle or something, but he was so attached to his, his status or his material possessions, he wasn't free to follow the call of Jesus. As a consequence, okay, he retained his, his earthly status his material possessions, but he was sad. His soul was sad, you know. So that's why I say to people, okay, listen, you might have to give up a lot of things, you know, but you will find happiness, peace, and contentment for your soul. And you cannot put a price on that. You certainly can't. And I have a little thing here that says, 10 signs, these are 10 signs for a person that God is calling them for the priesthood. So in that case, so I say to someone, you have to have an inner desire to explore a vocation. It's like deep kind of persistent um, calling to explore priesthood that isn't leaving them. Um, if, they, if they're not able to shake the feeling that they're called to be, to be a diocesan priest, um, if the people around them, like good, sensible um, people, reasonable people, believe that this person has a calling, the priesthood um, and, and also too if the personal question doesn't feel like the priesthood is like a place to hide from reality but it's a place where they will truly fulfill their potential where they'll truly be themselves and even if they've struggled with this idea of being a priest but it won't go away if it's something that's deep uh, and profound and, and if they start feeling a sense of peace um, if they say, okay, I'm going to maybe try and uh, maybe explore this call to priesthood in a formal way. And if, um, and if they feel that actions beyond their control are, are guiding them to the priesthood, and, um, and if they think that maybe phoning me or getting in touch with a local parish priest and saying maybe I'd like to be a priest, if they feel that, that even though they find it challenging and difficult, but at a deep sense is bringing them peace and there's a sense of clarity about it. And um, if they feel in their heart that they would be unhappy or uneasy about doing other things in life, um, then if they believe that the thought of serving God in this way would be would bring them real freedom as opposed to confining them, then I strongly suggest them. I strongly um, call on those people 
stay in touch with a local parish priest and start maybe exploring this vocation in a, in a formal ma- manner. Father Richard, thank you so much for really bringing us so much hope. And and, and just as you mentioned that about the 18th of um, 18th of May, I've just got a little note here from the St. Joseph Young Priest Society. Yes, sh- they're having a, in Raheem, they're having a three-hour vigil of prayer for vocations. in St. Nessence Church in Raheem, Limerick, and th- th- this will begin with, um, so Raheem in Limerick, there will be a Mass at 6pm on Saturday the 18th of May, which the chief celebrant will be, will be our Bishop of Limerick, uh, Brendan Lee. And after that, there will be a vigil, um, time to spend with the Eucharist, um, with the Blessed Sacrament, which will conclude with benediction at 9pm the evening. So I'm saying if anybody feels that they were called to priesthood, if anybody knows somebody that they think has a call to priesthood, well go maybe if you can to the Mass that night, spend that time at, at, at the Mass and also in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament. And if you're the person that feels called to the priesthood, then maybe just in, in front of the Blessed Sacrament, Ask the Lord Jesus to give you maybe clarity, strength, courage, and hope. And if, if, you're, think, if you're praying for somebody, maybe pray that they'll have the courage to maybe to go to the local priest and start the discernment process proper. Father Richard, thank you so much again, you know, for again bringing us so much hope, but also again maybe just to remind ourselves that we all have a part to play in this, and the big part, of course, we can play, we can do is is to pray for our priests first of all, and pray for those who think they have a, a vocation to priesthood, asking the Lord to show them the way. Just to finish up our little chat, Father Richard, have you got a prayer you'd like to share with us, please? I do actually, and this is a prayer from St. John Vianney, the patron saint of priests, an incredible story um, with uh, St. John Vianney, he ended up in a real rural part of France where the church was falling down and everything when he went there. But he was a man of such such humility, a man of such faith, a man of such hope, a man of such dedicated service. They built up a vibrant, flourishing Christian community there. You know, He spent hours in confessions. People from all over France flocked to him and his main thing was Eucharistic adoration and then hearing confessions. But when doing that, he, he revitalized um, uh, the Catholic Church of France in many ways at the time, at the time, you know. So I'll give you, I'll, I'll maybe share with you yes, his prayer for Thanks. priests. Thanks, Father. God, please give to your church today many more priests after your own heart. May they be worthy representatives of Christ the Good Shepherd. May they wholeheartedly devote themselves to prayer and penance, be examples of humility and poverty, shining models of holiness, tireless and powerful preachers of the Word of God, zealous dispensers of your grace and the sacraments. May their loving devotion to your Son Jesus in the Eucharist and to Mary, his mother, be the twin fountains of fruitfulness for their ministry. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much, Father Father Richard Keane, uh, is parish priest of the Cretlow um, Parish here in the Diocese of Limit, the Vocations Director. Thank you so much for, for sharing with us this morning. And at this, we might just go for maybe an appropriate piece of music. The one we got lined up is Here I Am, Lord, by Don Shute. So, Father Richard, thank you so much. And, uh, thank you very much, John. God bless you, and God bless you in your work. Bye-bye now. God bless, Father. God bless. Bye-bye. 
by the Lord of sea and sky. I have heard my people cry, all who dwell in dark and sin. My hand will save. I who made the stars of night, I will make their darkness bright. Welcome back again to the third part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley, still joined in the studio here by Lorraine Buckley and my wife Anne. Uh, we thank again Father Richard Keane for sharing a wonderful, hope-filled 
reflection there uh, on vocations with us this morning and indeed we'll just continue to remember both priests and those discerning priesthood and religious life in our prayers. So this part of the program is where we read and reflect on the Word of God, the, the Sunday Gospel, and before that Anne will pray this prayer before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Thanks Anne. Lord, we thank you for pushing us in the presence of your Word which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, humbly and attentively. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our life may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed and our minds wander. But may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this order in union with Mary. He used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for that, Anne. So the Gospel for today is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 27 to 30. Jesus said, The sheep that belong to me listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never be lost and no one will ever steal them from me. The Father who gave them to me is greater than anyone, and no one can steal from the Father. The Father and I are one. So that's the Gospel for today, the fourth Sunday of Easter. Now, would would invite Lorraine out maybe to give us a reflection on that beautiful Gospel, please. Thanks, Lorraine. It's such a short Gospel, John, but again, as with all of John's Gospel uh, passages, it is so full of meaning. And again, we invite you to take it out maybe later on today if you have a chance and have a look at it again. Of course, it is the fourth Sunday of Easter, which is Good Shepherd Sunday or Vocation Sunday. And every year on this Sunday, the Church looks at the 10th chapter of John's Gospel because the 10th chapter of John's Gospel is about Jesus, the Good Shepherd. So in year A, we hear how Jesus is the gate of the sheepfold. In year B, we hear that the Good Shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And in this year's um, passage, we hear that my sheep hear my voice. I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. Now, I want to quickly look at the Gospel in the light of Pope Francis's message for the 2019 World Day of Vocations. He doesn't look at this gospel in particular, but what he does look at are two aspects of vocation. And this can apply to all of us, not just priests and religious. This also applies to any follower of Christ. He looks at it from the point of view of promise and of risk. So what is the promise that Jesus offers us in this gospel? The sheep belong to me. I know them I give them eternal life. They will never be lost. The Father who gave them is greater than anyone and no one can steal from the Father. That's the promise. So the promise is that we belong to Jesus Christ, that he knows us intimately, that he will give us eternal life and we will never be lost. And what's the risk? The risk is trusting that. 
Do we trust that these words are true? And if we trust that these words are true, that will have an effect on our actions. Because, again, it goes back to that first line. The sheep that belong to me, listen to my voice. We don't listen to Jesus if we hear his words and then go off and do something contrary to that. We only listen, and this is where obedience comes in. Obedience is to listen intently. The obedience of the faith is to listen to God and to put our faith in in him and in his word. It's the ascent of faith. It is giving oneself entirely over to the one who knows you intimately, loves you dearly and created you out of love and for that love. So the risk is to trust and to give oneself to the promise. And the promise is nothing less than eternal life. It's actually incredible, John. We can't really get our heads around it. A lot of us can't get our heads around that expression, eternal life, because we're human. We're human. And we have funny concepts of time. There are Mm. some days at work when I think time is actually moving backwards. (laughs) And there are, you know, the lunch hour is the shortest hour of the day. Mm -hmm. So our concept of time is, is, you know, off. I think the older we get, the quicker the year goes, John. I don't know if you find that, but I certainly find that. You can tell me that again. You can tell me that again. But it's, it's about looking at our own lives in the light of eternity. And the promise is, I want... As you said, John, John 10, 10, I promise I will give you life and life to the full. All you have to do is say yes. And that's, as you said, the risk is that we must trust. And it is a risk because, as you were saying to me during the break, John, there are many other voices that are speaking to us. Throughout your days, like even very kind of almost benign voices saying, oh, sure, you can listen, you can be whoever you want Mm. to be. You can do whatever you want to do. There is no limits. And that's grand on one level. Yeah, yeah. Mm. You know, you can pursue your dreams. You can have the job you want within reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, But is that what God is calling you to be? Is that who God is calling you to be? I think that's the question that, you know, we're invited to reflect upon today. It's not so much... Is God calling you to do something? But is God calling you to be someone? You know, we often, you know, even that 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 that, that first line of the gospel, it belongs to me, listen to my voice. And there's maybe a few of us um, living a faith these uh, these days, thinking this way: Should we belong to the faith? We belong to the church, and so on and so forth. But we mightn't be listening. Yeah, so I, you know, you know that that phrase, John. I'm you, sure I'm spiritual, but I wouldn't be religious. Yeah, yeah, I you yeah. know that that mm-hmm. sense of eh, yeah, sure, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm a mm-hmm. part of the flock, mm-hmm. but I'm not doing anything. I'm actively trying to jump out of the flock. Mm-hmm. I was reading a little commentary, and I won't keep it long. No, I know no, we're no, running no, out no, of time, no. but you know that promise there at the end: no one will ever steal them from me. The Father who gave them to me is greater than anyone, and no one can steal from the Father. Mm. All of that is absolutely true. However, it doesn't tell us that we can leave. No. You know, mm-hmm. by our free will, we can choose to leave the flock. Yeah. We can choose mm. to be, you know, um, away from God. Mm. And that's an awful thought. It is an absolutely awful thought that because of our own free will, we can choose not to be with God for eternity. And that's what happened to our first parents, isn't it? I mean, our first parents were living in the garden. 
mm-hmm. all nice and happy and hunky dory. Uh, but but uh, as I would call him, Red Legs was there uh, and decided to, to tempt. They listened to a different voice. And we've got to be we've got to be aware these days. That guy's mm-hmm. still around, mm-hmm. and he's pretty good. He's pretty good at tempting us away. And you know, one of the thoughts as we said, there, you know, just during the break. How many minutes or seconds do we spend listening to the Word of God every day or every week? Mm-hmm. And how much rubbish do we listen to? And, mm-hmm. and which voice is the loudest that we listen to? Mm-hmm. And that's going to dictate how we, how we live our lives. And, mm-hmm. and again, we've said it many times on the program, God <coughs> is a perfect gentleman. He will not force us. He has given us the beautiful gift of revelation and the faith, and he's given us, thanks be to God, scripture, and we have many opportunities to have that scripture broken up open for us, whether it's through attending Mass or going to Lexi Divina mm-hmm. or praying with it ourselves or in different prayer groups. But do we actually let that word of God take root in our lives? Do we truly listen to it? Or are we a bit like, you know, the seed that falls on the, on the tough ground or the shallow ground? Do we listen to it for a moment and say, oh, that's a nice message. That's mm, lovely. Yeah, that's yeah. grand. And then do we live our lives as if we've never heard the gospel? Maybe our prayer this week should be asking for the Lord to give us the courage and the strength and the faith to be able to listen to his word a little bit more and take it in. Absolutely. It's got all to be. At this stage, we've got to go. Thanks a lot, ladies, now for, for, for helping produce the programme. And again, to Father Richard Keane for really giving us a, what I thought was a, a wonderful, uh, hopeful message there in regard to priesthood, vocations and living our own vocation, living the life that God wants us to live. So at this stage we'll go for a final bit of music. Uh, this one maybe ideal. It is ideal. It's entitled "The Lord's My Shepherd" by Stuart Townsend. So from Lorraine, uh, myself, and Anne. God bless you all. Now, bye. Bye bye now. The Lord's my shepherd. I'll not want. He makes me lie in pastures green. He leads me by the still, still waters. His goodness restores my soul. And I will trust in you. Trust in you for your endless mercy follows me, your goodness will lead me home. He guides my ways in
Come on. 